Hi there, this is Colin jumping in before we get started today to let you know that we are changing our format. This is our first episode in quite a few years, um, but uh, we've decided to go all MLS all the time, uh, as we'll explain a little bit more in this episode. Excuse a little bit of our technical difficulties, including the recording cutting off uh, before we get started. That's my fault. Uh, we're using some new software here, so bear with us as we get used to this and as we get you some exciting MLS podcasting. How's it going, Brad, and everyone else? Good. I'm the number one Columbus Crew fan, Colin Johnson here. Champion, MLS champion, Columbus Crew. So yeah, like Brad said, we're going we're gonna to change and try to do uh, only MLS um, as, as frequently as we can, maybe every week, maybe every other week. Um, We'll see how that looks coming into the season a little more. I think we've got, what, a month and a half now until the first game? Y'all keep saying that, but I haven't seen a schedule. Well, that's true. <laughs> there is no schedule yet. There's no schedule yet. Um, so, yeah, by way of introduction, Colin, uh, Columbus Crew fan. Big big time Columbus Crew fan. That's, that's all I've got. All right. Uh, let's go to Davis. You better list every single team you've ever cheered for, Davis. <laughs> Let's see. That's that's not a that's. I see you flicking the bean. That's that's the that's the great reveal. Go ahead. Uh, Charlotte FC. Next Flick year. that bean. Hopefully, but without that, I guess I just pull for y'all's teams. Really. You know? What do you mean? You haven't purchased your your uh, season ticket. Your Plaque to a bathroom stall. Right, right. I think yeah. you have to reserve everything there. <laughs> I think you do. I think you do. They even give you your own oxygen to breathe. You're crazy. Oh, that's nice stuff. No. Well, a couple of times. That's what you get what you pay for. Sorry, I interrupted, <laughs> your, I, I interrupted your intro. This is going swimmingly. <laughs> good. I don't think I have an intro. It's just, uh, you know, next year maybe I'll have a team, hopefully, in MLS. But until then. Well, you're yeah. doing better in Sacramento, so you got that going for you. Hashtag All right. Uh, well, that was Davis, and he's rooting for Charlotte City and the South in general. Um, so, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> moving on. No, that's not true, because he doesn't cheer for Atlanta FC. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah, there was a time. There was a time. Well, it was all you had. Backtrack to, like, the OG podcast, right, you'll find right. him talking about Atlanta, so... Orlando. Yeah, so Orlando. Hey, Brad Shea. Come on, guys. Tampa Bay Mutiny? No, no, never. No, no, never mind. Sorry, 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 guys. Sorry, guys. That's too far south. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next we'll have Renee. What's a uh, uh, first to five since 90, hashtag since 96. It's cute calling that you guys just won a, a second title. That must be, what, how old are you guys? LA Galaxy, number one. In your hearts, in the program, not to be confused with farts. LA Galaxy. What's up, guys? First team, Columbus Crew, first team. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> uh, I'm Brad. Uh, I root for uh, the runners up of last year, the Seattle Sounders. Oh. Um, so, yep. Uh, expansion team, arguably the best expansion team. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a quick interview or introduction to everyone and the teams. Um, so obviously all of us will have a little bit question. more. 
uh, the best expansion specifically team? about those teams as we'll probably be watching those matches a little closer. Uh, with that said, we're still going to track every team and still have updates on them. So as much as we dislike teams, uh, we'll still follow and provide context. Yeah, it got them into the uh, the CONCACAF Champions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome to Hello from the Offside. I am uh, Brad, uh, joined by Colin, Davis, and hey. Renee. What's uh, <laughs> We're kicking off a new, I guess, kind of a pivot from our podcast where we're covering kind of soccer in the world in general to just an MLS specific style podcast. And since the season is fastly approaching roughly one month away, we thought we would kind of kick it off with just kind of an intro uh, overview of kind of what we'll be doing, um, how how frequently we'll be trying to do this and just kind of uh, introduce ourselves. Uh, So I'm going to kick it to... I mean, I'd, I'd honestly be fine if they – I forget how many slots MLS gets, but, like, give one of the slots to that. Just have this tournament every year, either beginning, middle of the season or whatever, or even give, like, an automatic, like, one seed in the playoffs. That'd be cool. Um, just make this tournament worth something for the players and do it at some point. I, it's, it was just – I don't know. It was so successful to me from, like, a viewing standpoint – that I don't know why they wouldn't do it again. I agree. I, I like the midseason tournament. I hope they do it again. I think we touched on a lot of the uh, big things, you know, the images from the tournament, the things we remember. Um, I think for me personally, one thing I remember is the chaos getting to the tournament. I think we had to have, what, two or three teams had to oh, yeah. pull out <laughs> uh, because of COVID concerns. I think – Houston didn't make it, if I remember correctly. Uh, Nashville didn't make it. Dallas. I, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I okay. think it was Nashville and Dallas. Yeah, didn't actually make the tournament. Uh, so there were some group changes um, last minute. So I think a couple teams didn't even know who they were going to play uh, to start with. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but once teams got into the Orlando bubble, there weren't any other concerns. So in that sense, it was just pre-concerns beforehand. And I think MLS did the right thing by telling those teams they couldn't, couldn't come uh, to the tournament. Um, and yeah, I think overall, you know, it was kind of the first sport back um, for that reason. I think it was just nice to see something live again. Um, and the powerful images, like we said, uh, regarding uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement within MLS. Um, so that kind of, I guess, we'll just say that kind of sums up uh, MLS is back. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts of actually when the season resumed again in the fall, how that went? <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> <right>. <laughs> it's the best. All right. Uh, yeah, that's I, – I think for me, I guess, <laughs> uh, on less of a my team won the championship uh, feel, um, I, it was a little annoying – um, in the sense that they kind of created team bubbles. Uh, so you watched your team play the same team over and over and over. And I felt like it didn't matter as much. I don't know how many times. Uh, I think I watched several LA Galaxy versus LAFC games. And it was just weird to watch them play. It felt like every other week. Um, you know, but that's that was the only way to kind of pair it up to see how we could get enough points to actually get an MLS playoff going. 
Uh, but you could definitely tell when MLS playoffs uh, started up, which teams were kind of lumped into a, a weaker bubble. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know if this is fair, but I'm kind of leaning towards Philly in that way. I mean, they flamed out pretty quickly. Uh, they looked like they were going to be arguably the best team. I mean, they won the supporter shield um, and then had got eliminated, I believe, by Nashville, um, who had just won a game from overtime. Uh, so I think, you know, the groupings might have been a little weak um, and it kind of hid which teams were actually good versus which teams were just playing bad teams all the time. All right. We will, we will be covering every team. Um, we're going to, in the coming weeks, I think we're going to kind of take a little break um, and focus and we're going to do a preview pod for the East and then the West um, or vice versa, however we decide to do it. Um, where we'll kind of give a breakdown of every team, uh, incoming players, outgoing players, what's to be expected of the team. Um, you know, if there's anything super interesting known about the team, we'll kind of dive into that as well. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, we'll obviously take some time because uh, we're going to do some actual research and be prepared for that one. Um, so just to kind of continue this on, we're going to do a quick uh, review of last season. Uh, the 2020 season was definitely an interesting season. Um, obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the season was shorter. It was much more different than a normal MLS season. It featured a middle-of-the-season tournament, uh, the MLS's Back Cup. Um, so I guess just to kind of kick it off, um, how does everyone feel MLS handled everything last year, considering the world in general? I, I definitely agree with that. And I think, um, you know, as, so this is my second year getting to take part in the hell is real, uh, rivalry with the crew and Cincinnati. And I was at the first game, um, in Columbus in, I think it was 2019 now. Um, super fun. The energy was crazy. And, and it felt that way for the next game in Cincinnati. And then as the season started and the, this weird new schedule comes out where the crew are playing, uh, Cincinnati like 45 times and I, I don't know by like there was a the crew actually lost one of the games to Cincinnati and it just kind of felt by then that it didn't really matter anymore you know this this awesome rivalry was a little bit diluted awesome in that it's you know new and fun but it, it really felt a little bit diluted by just happening so often yeah it's interesting so it's interesting is so we played LOC a ton it's the galaxy had an interesting run where Right, the Galaxy had their glaring issues in the tournament, in the MLS back tournament, and then they they came back and had a few bad games, and then they went on a five game winning streak. Um, if you guys remember, like I was going nuts from like middle of September, because because the Galaxy beat LAFC twice in that run. They beat them. One of them, I think, was a beatdown. The other one was a was a clean sheet. And then the third time they played the Galaxy, they played LAFC. They got wrecked. It was like six to two. Uh, and that was the beginning of, of the end. So for me, I had like a month where it was fun to watch the Galaxy. Uh, I don't know if there were teams that were fatigued because they went longer in the tournament. I, I'm sure that's a little bit of it because um, the Galaxy didn't make it past. So it was fun for a while. To Colin's point, it was kind of weird to see. Uh, I think for him, it may have mattered a, a little less. For the Galaxy, it sucked because we won two games against them. And then the final one, we we just got crushed. So it was still, um, 
it still sucked to lose to your rival. Um, I think it, it also sucked to lose to your rival uh, at the same time that like you wake up from whatever honeymoon period you had and you remembered how bad the team still was. Oh, there, Alexa has an announcement. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Jeff Bezos. That's right. So um, it was it, it was a little brutal for me. What, what I did enjoy, though, was I think it made it easier. Like I said, I'll, I'll watch any MLS game that's on. I think it made it a little easier for me once I realized the Galaxy were just not going to do it to watch other games and watch other teams um, play each other. I, I think it was cool for me to see other rivalries uh, playing. Um, and And – it's kind of interesting to you're like forcing fans of those teams to care about games where they may not necessarily want to care because you're over the fact that the sport is back. Right. So MLS back, everyone is, uh, is amped and pumped that the sport is back. And then you probably go right back to reality, like the galaxy. Right. I went from being very excited to soccer being back to God, Soccer's back, and the Galaxy are still garbage, <laughs> right? So then, and then we played better. But then, for a Galaxy fan, right? Once you realize we still have these games, so how do you make them matter? Well, you have them play your rival, right? There's at least some sort of built-in interest there. So I think from that point of view, I think it was, it was somewhat successful to do it that way. I will say one thing about the tournament that I forgot to add is after they got rid of those first hiccups, they didn't have any other um, COVID issues, which is pretty, which is pretty big. Again. I mean, I don't know if the bar is baseball because baseball did not handle it very well. Um, but that's, that speaks for a lot. So, I, so I, I think I think the rivalries yeah, and, were an interesting, were an interesting like built-in forced interest. And I, I think the rest of the season, I don't know if I feel like I can give MLS more than like a, a C for mm-hmm. how they handled COVID the rest of the season. But like, people are living and and if you want people to go to work, they're gonna they're going to be in contact with people who went even at like best case scenario yeah. who somehow caught it at the grocery store. So it's, it's hard for me to, to really to fault players and teams when people, you know, were catching it yeah. as the season went on and had to do whatever sort of bubbles they did. And, you know, good job by MLS and the teams for getting as many games played as they did and for making it seem like there weren't a ton of issues, but you know, I know some games were canceled, some were moved. Most teams finished playing, their full slate mm-hmm. of like 24 games, I think, or 23. Um, but, you know, I, I think the whole, yeah. <laughs> at best, you're getting a C. I'll also, yeah, I'll also give a little credit. As much them. as I hate them, um, it was interesting to see stadiums or fans, how creative they could be without being allowed in the stadium. And again, having seen a good amount of games against them, it was really, I think what the uh, earthquakes did was kind of creative, where at one of the, behind one of the goals, there's like a little parking area. So they all park there and then they had the game streamed like viewing. So their viewing party was right there. And every time the galaxy went for a corner, they all hit their horns. It was just like a freaking onslaught of car horns. And I was like, this is so annoying as a viewer. It's gotta be so annoying. So I thought that was pretty great. That's cool. Yeah. I still hate them, but I thought that was pretty great. That is really neat. From like, from like a, virtually like neutral standpoint really last year like I, I hear what y'all are saying about the 
you know, y'all played your rivals way too much. And even like from my perspective, like, yeah, like there were, there was too many Columbus and, and Cincinnati games. There was too much LFC and, and, and Galaxy games. There was too many, you know, Houston and, and Dallas games. There were hum- too many Seattle and Portland games. But like, I, I, there were like just, I don't know, I, there were just too many, I think. I think, it, I think had there been maybe like two or four less, we wouldn't be saying this, to be honest with you. I think it would have been a little more impactful. And and then also, I think the way that MLS did it uh, with those little mini bubbles, I don't see how else you do it in this huge country with all of our states doing crazy different things. I, I think really that, that that was just the only option that presented itself. And I, I, yeah, I don't see what other op- um, like option they had. Yeah, and to kind of jump in on the massiveness of just the geographical size of MLS, I think we're all kind of neglecting our brothers to the north. Poor Vancouver got stuck in the Canadian bubble because they couldn't come into the U.S. And so they were traveling to Montreal and Toronto all the time to play them. Um, So I think they kind of got the short end of the stick there. And then uh, COVID team that I think kind of really got affected the most was Colorado. Um, Colorado had a really good run and got COVID and I think they played the fewest games out of any team, but, um, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done, how that would have affected standings. Um, I think they still made the playoffs, but, uh, yeah, they were kind of short end of the stick. I remember Seattle played them at the end of the year and they looked really good. Um, I was like, hope I don't play Colorado. They just <laughs> posed some issues. They were a physical team. Um, so I think it, it was definitely interesting. I think you're totally right. The mini bubbles was the only way to do it. Um, it's just, you know, geographically, you're going to see those same teams all the time. So, I mean, Clyde agrees. Long live Clyde, the fourth member of Hello from the Offside. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that kind of uh, sums up the end of the season. I think it was just a little bit of (laughs) – a little bit of tiresome of seeing the same teams over and over again. Uh, But it was realistically the only way to get enough points to get a playoff uh, to happen. Um, So, with that, let's let's roll into the playoff. um, Or, I guess, playoffs since there was East and West – um, as we've already discussed, Columbus won the East. Um, I believe they beat Nashville in the East final. New England. Okay. Yeah. New England. Uh, oh, you beat Nashville the game before, right? Yeah. Um, so Columbus yeah. won the yeah. East. Uh, Seattle won the West. Um, I think objectively looking at it, uh, Seattle was really lucky to even win the final. Uh, they were down a crazy amount to Minnesota United and scored ridiculous late goals uh, to kind of make it to the final. Um, I think Minnesota looked good in the playoff. Uh, They shellacked uh, Sporting Kansas City at Sporting Kansas City. Um, I don't think a lot of people thought that was going to happen. And then to go into Seattle immediately after that and uh, go up two goals to none and look like what was going to be a for-sure victory uh, to just kind of have it fall away. Um, it was just kind of a wild run for Minnesota. Um, I think Columbus on the east side uh, played what looked to be the 
the best soccer out of everyone. And I, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that I think Columbus was the rightful team to win. Um, I think you could maybe make an argument for a couple other teams, but I, I think consistently throughout the year, Columbus played consistent and looked like, if not the best, one of the best teams in MLS. I mean, it was their title to lose. Yeah. Pretty much going into that, into that slate. It was their title to lose. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you're being nice. I don't think there was anyone. I mean, if, to Colin's earlier point about giving them a C, the West just had to stop at points because people couldn't finish their games on the West on the Western side of the standings. Um, yeah, it was Columbus's Columbus's to lose game of the game of the playoffs though was that Minnesota Seattle game that was insanity, absolute insanity. It's one of those super cool games game. that like super fun makes it past. MLS viewership, right? It was like on Sports Center. It's on social media. I mean, the the idea of watching that. I mean, watching that game as a as a neutral party, um, it was it was so fun to watch. I can only imagine being fans of either team. <laughs> Would you say yeah. that it was loony, Renee? No, I will oh not. Gosh, I will not say that. Okay. The um. I do think. No, I just want to say really quickly for me, like the the moment that I was, I kind of came to the realization. I was like, "Uh, yeah, it's 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 got to be the crew. Was really that New England game because New England won. I like New England won three games in the playoffs last year, Mm y'all. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I remember thinking going into that game, um, you know, obviously with with Colin being interested, I was interested. So, it I was like, well. If they can do this, if they if they can kind of get over this hump, like this is really kind of the the, the I feel like the two best teams really at least at the time, um, and then yeah yeah it was Columbus was just too good. And I told, Colin, I told Colin he had nothing to worry about. You could tell Taylor Solomon I said this. The Revs have a <laughs> glorious history of choking when it matters. <laughs> glorious history of choking. That is when true. It the Revs do have a history of choking. What is they're like? I mean, they're the they're two the of them against the Galaxy. I'm pretty sure losses. I think. Yeah, and then they lost to Houston as well. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I remember that um, one. I think they lost to Houston back to back. The frustrating thing for me is that the crew really weren't very deep last year, um, and I mean that's we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks that they've really uh, remedied that lack of depth, but they really weren't that deep, and I don't know if many teams were very deep just because of the way that the league worked um, this year, but uh, they, they had some injury, some bad injury luck, like in late August, early September. Um, so they missed Nagby and Lucas Illarion and a couple other really important players for like three, four five games in a row. Um, and they just dropped a bunch of points. And realistically, like they, the supporter shield was theirs to lose and they lost it. Um you know, unfortunately for the rest of the league, they got healthy right when the playoffs hit, and then were able to kind of move through that, and then hit an in- ridiculous COVID uh, outbreak and still win the entire tournament. That's what's crazy. I think we had like the crew had like ten players or something miss time um, because they were medically unable to play, including Darlington Nagby and Pedro Santos, two of the best three to four players on the entire team missing MLS cup. Um, and then to still be able to, to beat a good uh, Seattle team 
who, you know, I, I mean, had their own issues with, uh, with health and, um, and with traveling across country. I think that honestly is, is a sure it's an excuse for Seattle, but I, I can't imagine yeah. making the flight that they made and then being expected to play in a game in a championship game like that with no fans and no family, um, limited fans, uh, that that's gotta be really frustrating. Um, and the, the crew coaching stuff, like Caleb Porter, this is, I think the first real season I've got to see him do Caleb Porter things. Um, and he's able to get performances out of players that as much as I really like Greg Berhalter, that he just never was. If a player didn't fit Berhalter's system, he just wasn't going to fit in. And for Porter to, to know kind of what, what prods players is really, really interesting. Um, there's a piece on line uh, crew writer, Steve Sirk, has been interviewing uh, center back Josh Williams about every single player. And it's been interesting to see him talk about how um, Porter was able to kind of know what, what gets players to tick. Uh, Derek Etienne comes to mind. There's a, there's a outtake where um, Porter there, there, there's a practice right before the championship game. Etienne knows he's going to start. Uh, Derek Etienne um, just as a refresher was a trialist for the crew coming into the season and then went on to have a really, really good season and score a goal in MLS cup as a starter. Um, so Porter's like goes to Derek and he's like, you're the only player that looks like they don't care about this. And then after practice, Porter goes up to him and says, are you mad at me? And Etienne kind of gives him the cold shoulder. And he says, I know that you play better when you've got a chip on your shoulder. He says, so I'm trying to instigate you more or less to make you play better. So just things like that. Are, are things Burhalter really didn't do that I think Porter did. Um, and that's why they won. That's why they won the league. That's why they are spending a little bit of money this offseason to try to improve the team, try to win another couple trophies next year. All right. Well, I think that can kind of wrap up. We'll keep it kind of, <laughs> kind of short, uh, like I said. Um, so just um, in the coming weeks, you know, when we're talking about Teams, I think we can probably save kit talk for that as kits are still rolling out. Um, I know Renee is really excited about the Galaxy kit, uh, so we'll give him his due to talk about that. Um, but to just kind of wrap up, uh, I think we should talk about expansion, uh, especially since there was a Friday news dump, news dump uh, with the Sacramento news. Um, so let's kick it off with uh, just a general quick uh, talk of expansion. We have Austin uh, coming into the league this year, Charlotte next year, St. Louis the year after that, and then uh, also maybe Sacramento. Uh, but we'll see about that. Uh, so let's kick it off with just some Austin talk. I think they've been uh, slowly kind of rolling out their team. They've put together a, an okay roster. Like, I don't think it's good. Um, they've signed, really interestingly, a bunch of players, and a bunch, I think it's like three or four, uh, players from the same team in, uh, I think it's Paraguay, who have the same agent. So a lot of the, the Austin fans are like, well, look at these signings. And it's, you know, I think other people in the know are pointing them to, you know, it's not a great thing if you're just signing a bunch of players that have the hey, same. Yeah, you got to do what you can, man. Conahay's most recent book. Um, I, it actually made me interested in in him as like an owner of a team. Uh, he seems like a really cool, laid back dude. Austin, yeah, quote unquote owner. Austin was um, 
kind of like a refuge and like a, a new rebirth for him. So it's clear that he really loves that city. Um, like actually has a deep love for, for that city. Um, and I think that extends to what he wants out of soccer. I don't think he's doing it just to, just to be cool. If that makes sense. Uh, obviously he doesn't have that much. He's not gonna have that much to say, but I think it's cool to have him attached to it. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's gonna be cool. I think the Pochettino signing who you're talking about, right? One of them is good. Um, he played for, he played for Boca for a while, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting yeah. signing, and I'm glad you remembered who he was because I forgot. Uh, I they're they're like they've it seems yeah. like they're intent on deploying him yeah. as number ten when he's very clearly yeah like, he's young number though. eight so he's a young dude we'll see how that goes so yeah I agree I don't think they're going to be great yeah, they're going to be probably in the middle of the road but I think it's I think it's fun I think there's as a third party observer too I think it's cool to have a weird rivalry right I think there's going to be a clear built in rivalry between Austin and Columbus that's going to be there um, that will have nothing to do with standings or anything else. Um, right. I think, I think Columbus rightfully so feels some sort of way against Austin and then Austin is just going to reciprocate it. So I think that's going to be cool to see how that, how that happens, um, to see how petty either side (laughs) can be right. The joke is there that, that Columbus should host Austin to, to raise their, raise their banner. Right. So I think stuff like that is is really neat. Really yeah. Cool. So I'm excited for them. Yeah. I'm 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 excited for Austin. I hope they do well. If he's hanging out there, then sure he'll he'll be at games. But I don't. Know. It's so. What do you guys? No, think you're doing school. Sorry to jump in there, Brad. But you know, I'm not going to hate um, on any having. It having looked cookie cutter to me. Stadiums. I'll say it. It looked cookie cutter. It's ugly. I'm not going to hate on soccer specific stadiums in the U.S. I'm not. I definitely think I've lost a bit of my like anti-Austin bias just because exactly. I mean super duper bias, but because we won the championship this year, like I don't I don't care as much. The crew are like opening a new stadium, have a championship, have owners that are way more wealthy than pre-court. I'm I'm interested to see if he's able to get more money yeah, no, to spend on the team because they've not made a big signing. Like Pochettino is yeah. a good signing. But it's not a big money signing. I don't know if I mean he's not like he's not a billionaire. As weird as that is, he's just not a billionaire. I don't know if they've got a billionaire in the ownership group. Maybe they do, no. but he's not. And McConaughey's not either. <laughs> is, is I don't know, dude. That dude games he goes like, to this year eight. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. That's the dude who's like pops up at like random episodes of WWE Raw for like no matter for no reason, just like in the crowd. He's a weird dude. <laughs> I'll, I agree with that, um, but it, but to Davis's point, it does look a little bit like any like the crew old crew stadium, the Dallas stadium, the L.A. Uh, Galaxy stadium a bit, but that one's pretty interesting, and the Chicago stadium with just like a cooler roof. I'm surprised it's not like totally enclosed. That's uh, maybe it's the Texas heat or something, but I'm, I'm surprised it's not totally enclosed like that. Awesome yeah, I think it's cool. Down in Houston. Again, I. You're going to give me a soccer-specific stadium with not that much space? I'm, I'm fine with it. You ain't going to find me here. I want to see that roof in person. Like, the roof looks insanely impressive. And if if I can get to Austin this year, like, during pandemic, I will be there. Or post-pandemic, I mean. I will be there for a game, crew or not, to see whatever the heck is going on. I will You're going to be the guy that just shows up in a random jersey for I'll be the team that's not playing. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I'm probably going to have a, a banner, a crew championship banner, and just hold it during the game. Oh, man. Austin and, like, I don't know, probably Minnesota United. I think it's cool. All right. Yeah. Having been to that Minnesota stadium, I think it's really, really neat to go from playing in the Rose Bowl, playing in uh, what's now the, dig- the No Diggity Stadium, having been to Matt Free, the first soccer-specific stadium, and seeing all these other soccer-specific stadiums, I don't care if it's cookie-cutter. The idea that that stadium exists is nuts. I had to go watch games at, like, Cal State Fullerton, like, full-on LA Galaxy games at Cal State Fullerton, right? A stadium that, like, had no Galaxy stuff up because Fullerton, or maybe it was another UC or C at California University. So, yeah, I'm going to give a bunch of people a ton of leeway on it. As much as I hated Toyota Park, right? At least it was there. At least it was there. The, the location was really, yeah, really that, poor, that sucked. poor planning. The location was really poor planning. But I think the stadium, you take that stadium and put it like in Rogers Park, right? You're, you're Golda, Golda Meir. The Earthquakes Jealous. have uh, outdoor Orange Theory classes in their concourse. Like in one of the suites, that's like their beard where they oh, like cool. one of their clubs or whatever. They took everything out and they just do Orange Theory, and you get to look out into the field. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I think about Austin. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of just to wrap up the Austin chat. Um, I don't really have any thoughts on stadiums, uh, mostly because. I don't know. The renderings and the pictures you see right now are going to be a lot different than what it looks like when there's actually a game being played. Um, so I'm going to hold off judgment on stadiums until then. Um, okay. Move to the next expansion team, uh, Charlotte. So we'll just kick it to Davis. Davis, go ahead. Tell us about Charlotte. So it's been weird lately. Hi, Clyde. Um, with David Tepper and, and the ownership of Charlotte MLS trying to get every penny out of anybody who's rich, apparently, in the Charlotte area. Um, but regardless, yeah, so it's been, it's been weird because there was all this excitement, right? Um, and and they, they did a, a pretty decent job with the, the logo and the launch and everything, I think. Um, you know, so there, there was a lot of excitement still bent over from that, but like, then all of a sudden this wrecking ball just comes out of nowhere and it's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to pay that much money to go to a game. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it was kind of a, a you know, it, it kicked to the stomach, but they do have like, they, they've signed a couple of interesting players that Sergio Ruiz guy, he's a midfielder. You think he's playing with Las Palmas right now. And, like, I keep seeing a lot of um, highlights from him. He seems like a pretty nifty guy. Um, I think he'll do well. But he's kind of like what Austin is wanting to do. It seems like Charlotte wants him to be a number 10 when he's a very clear number 8. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that pans out. They signed a couple other players. Um, Brant Bronico, um, who's not doing anything right now from the U S and then another midfielder, Riley McGree from Australia. He's with Birmingham city right now. Um, and then they signed a, a Polish guy from like the league, the second league in Poland. Um, yeah, he's a defender, right? Yeah. Defend, yeah. yeah. Jens Sobosinski. Mm, sorry. But, um, so I mean, they're making moves, which, and like, they're, they're, I, th- I don't know. It's, it's just a weird time. I think, I mean, I know, 
that at some point it push will come to shove with the the ticket prices because I, I just don't see how that's sustainable. I I, I just don't. Um, but well, well just to kind of jump in real quick on the tickets. So they're doing a PSL system, right? Yeah. So for the ownership, they don't care. They just need to get people to buy into the PSLs. What people do with the tickets after that doesn't matter. So as an example, I know this from just living in the Bay Area for a while, San Francisco 49ers had a PSL system. And when they were bad, they were claiming their games were sold out because the tickets are already sold and paid for. So if fans don't want to sell at a loss, no one gets those seats. But a lot of fans will just sell their tickets at a lot. So I think as a single game purchaser, I think you'll probably be able to get tickets cheaper than what they're trying to sell them for because uh, of the PSL value. That's so I point. think there is some hope there, but I, it's just going to be a harder sell if they're not going for, I guess, kind of the Atlanta United model of coming into league to win the league now. Instead, it seems kind of like Charlotte is doing more of the Minnesota model, which is, hey, we're going to come in we're going to be kind of mid-table, you know, but we're going to build something that's actually sustainable and we're not going to be a flash in the pan. And in all honesty, I think that's probably the smarter way to do it. Um, Look at Nashville. That's just kind of my thoughts on Charlotte. Uh, The good thing for Charlotte is that they still have a whole nother year to kind of figure things out. Um, They're not coming into still a pandemic season. I'm kind of going to label this year as a pandemic season. Um, since it doesn't sound like what most people will be vaccinated until summertime anyway. Um, no, I, agree. I think that's a really good point because they, they moved it back a year. Um, they were supposed to start play this year, this next year. So yeah, that, that was, that was really clutch. I think. Uh, these famous folks, right. To, to build a connection. We see that with angel city FC in the NWSL that's doing that. I, I feel like teams are either saying, Hey, look at, it's like the Atlanta model, right? So look at look at the the NFL success. We're we're going all in. We're gonna edit the stadium. We're gonna think about you as we create the stadium, right? Charlotte is even refitting their their football stadium, right, to add a tunnel in the center and to add soccer. The idea. So how do you how do you create a new a new? It's fine. It, it's fine. I, I'm all I'm all about the crown. I'm all about the Queen City. I think y'all know that. Like, um, you know, I was partial to the Charlotte town because I just thought it was, I don't know, just different, I think, but um, I, I'm is fine it, with Charlotte FC. Is it because you just love the movie, The Town? So you just want I, to- I, I, it was, It's a good movie. It's a good movie. All right. Um, but yeah, that, that was the other thing. Is Charlotte, the Charlotte, like, The Town? Known as the, yeah, there, there was no connection right there. So it didn't really make sense, but um, it's fine. I think they still need, a purple or teal accent um, or like mint rather than teal, like something um, for their, yeah, something that, that kind of ties them to not just David Tepper and the Panthers. Um, I, I know that that's the model is that I write this, this ownership group and this sports group. Right. But um, I, I don't know. I love the Panthers, but you know, they should be their own identity, I think. How do you build that, though? And this isn't a trolling question. As someone who doesn't, who has a very few influences on what Charlotte is about, um, 
how do you build that into a city like that that may not have a connection like that? So like I look at like LAFC, right? They brought in all these people. How do you create a new tie to a team that doesn't exist by separating it from the biggest thing that they have? Right. I mean, that that, that makes you sense. You do the Hornets like that? No, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I am going to do the Hornets like that. Listen, listen. It's Buzz City first and foremost. No. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think I think they. It's not necessarily separation that I. I think that was a bad word. I think it's distinguishment that they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they need to just distinguish themselves. Um, and I think you can do that by steering into the mint city thing by, you know, ha- having a little mint accent. I, I mean, all literally like would have just taken is just one little thin circle line around it. Um, and, and mint or purple, I think to, to just kind of do the nod, but you know, purple royalty anyway, you know, you've, you've got that connection if you don't want to just outwardly be like, and also the Hornets have the best color scheme in the world. Um, so I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Um, and, you know, there's definitely – that's definitely the idea behind it, right, is we're the Panthers organization putting on an MLS team. Come cheer on the same organization that you do, you know, for American football that you do well for European football, right, or world football. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think – I think Charlotte's got to be creative. I think they've got to do a lot better with their social media. I think they've got to do a lot better with their brand exposure because right now they, they've just kind of limited themselves. It seems like to Charlotte um, and like the immediate fan groups that are already in um, the Charlotte area and the greater Charlotte area. So It'll be interesting to see how, how they can and if they do expand that to the both states. But you don't do it by gouging your fans <laughs> and supporters. I want to, by the, by the way, before a game is even played. We've got plenty of time to figure it out. Before a game is even played. I mean, it's think, not like they're going to bring the tickets down, though. Yeah, I, I think, think it's they, strange when, from what I read that, like, if you have a PSL for the Charlotte uh, football team, uh, the Panthers – it doesn't transfer over. Oh, to good, 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 good. No, why, why would it? Yeah, to Charlotte FC. That doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. It's, yeah, it seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen. That I'm. Right. I well, you know, it's a different seat. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a PSL. Team. Don't you have? But it's the same venue. Seat. Yeah, but if I went and saw Justin Bieber at that stadium, would I be able to use my PSL for that? No, you have first rights yeah. usually with those PSLs to to buy or reject a ticket. So, like, you essentially – I forget how it works, and I know it's changed a little bit as people have sued for that, but, like, I think you get the ability to say, no, I do not want to buy this Justin Bieber ticket. You don't get it. Interesting. Have, all right. You all right. I'm going to ask myself. first then. rights of refusal for that seat. I, I've heard on – just on Reddit that they may do that with Panthers fans only to – they really say, should. Hey, do you want they really need to tap the, into that. Panthers honestly, I mean, because not have to buy like, one. You know, yeah, the, the the Panthers aren't you know yeah. the Patriots or or the Cowboys or anything, but like or the Packers. But like, you know, there there are some diehard Panthers fans, and that that like that community really does, you know, love sports and yeah. virtually all all sports. 
uh, <laughs> let's just kind of briefly um, talk about St. Louis and Sacramento. Uh, we'll just keep it kind of short. Um, as far as I know, the only thing for St. Louis has been a crest release. Obviously, they're two way, two years away. So correct me if I'm wrong. There hasn't been any announcement of player signings for St. Louis. Um, I They're building a new stadium. That'll be, I'm sure, interesting. I'm sure the people in St. Louis are really excited to have a second professional sports team again. I know people from St. Louis who were really heartbroken when the Rams left. Um, so having a second team there will be good. And I think they'll have a natural rival with Chicago. No love for the Blues? <laughs> yeah. Um, does anyone know? Rip the Blues. Why they call it the Blues. Okay. Anyone else have anything to chime in with real quick about St. Louis? Uh, I've only driven through St. Louis, so I, I'm going to step back from this. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Um, I mean, home of home of Brian McBride and Taylor Twelman, St. Louis University. Uh, I, I, it'll just be interesting to me if they like. I understand, take the time and and open it. Like it's going to be amazing to just be able to start playing this new stadium. But if they're ready for twenty two, why not just do it? You know, we've if we're not getting Sacramento now yeah, in twenty three, no like yeah. Sacramento is not happening in twenty three, almost certainly. Now, why not just roll them out? Yeah, twenty-two. Uh, with, uh, that's a good question. With um, I'm not sure how the stadium is, or if it'll even be done at the start of the 2022 season. Um, so, you know, I think because of where St. Louis is located, there's yeah. more chance of weather delays than building a stadium other places. Um, I'm sure that's factored into their schedule, but. Um, I guess since we already have kind of hinted at it and talked about it quite a bit, let's just move on then to Sacramento um, <laughs> or not Sacramento, I guess. Uh, so the big news was Friday, uh, February 26th at like seven o'clock Eastern time, uh, MLS released a stadium saying that the big money backer for what is Sacramento Republic coming to MLS, uh, but he had never committed money from my understanding, uh, backed away and is no longer sponsoring the team. Uh, Sacramento, as far as I know, is still building a stadium. Um, and if Sac Republic still stays in USL, they'll just have a really nice USL stadium. <laughs> um, so I guess there's just kind of a lot of questions. And I think the way we're all leaning is I don't think there's going to be a Sacramento team. I think Republic, Sacramento Republic is going to stay a USL team. I think MLS looks somewhere else. Um, so if anyone has any thoughts on that, I think the big three cities, I think arguably to put a team in would be in no particular order, Detroit, Phoenix, or Vegas. Um, so welcome to anyone's thoughts about where they're like straight up building that stadium right now, though, to start in two years. So it's going to be done. It's going to be done maybe early I... in 22. I don't. Are they just going to let it? Sit I don't know. Yeah, that'll it? be interesting. I mean, there's for this whole time. Are they partnering with uh, St. Louis University at all with that? Because they have men's and women's soccer, so it wouldn't shock me if it was a joint so. stadium kind Not of situation where they think a good fit would be. If they think Sacramento is going to happen, I mean, obviously, new money could come in to the Sacramento team. I've mentioned this before. The Bay Area is two hours away from Sacramento. There are a lot of very rich people in the Bay area. That's a very easy commute uh, to make. So 
I'm not going to rule sack out personally, just because I think there is money there to, to do that. But um, yeah, I'll open it up to anyone's thoughts. So the, the expected breaking of the stadium to break ground was this spring. Um, they had received NCAA like college cup finals to be played there. I, so I'm going to try to put my Sacramento bias aside, my West Coast bias aside, and just talk about it. I thought it was interesting when Sacramento was the way that they were going to go. I mean, that city just had to fight to keep an NBA team um, at the beginning of the 2010s, right? The, the new owner was ready to take the Kings and move them all the way to, back to Seattle to get uh, the Supersonics out there. Um, so then the mayor, I forget his name, who was an old Kings player, um, fought to keep them. They got a new stadium. They got a new ba- uh, basketball stadium. It's awesome. Um, I refuse to acknowledge that. Um, I've been. It's cool. <laughs> I'll prove it. To use the old Davis White, prove it. Okay. Um, so I just I just found that fascinating, right, that they were going to go in there. Um, I I know that the MLS says, look, we're, it, we're still planning the stadium. We're still planning it. All we need is money. It. I don't understand how you're going to find another billionaire, right? Cause this is the co-owner of the penguins. Who's a billionaire who says because of the pandemic, I just, you know, I'm down a few bucks. There's no way that's true. There's no way this dude has lost that much money in the pandemic. When we've seen a bunch of other hedge fund folks and other billionaires just make more money in the last year than actually lose money. Right. How are they, if this dude is saying, I can't put up the money to to build this thing here. I don't understand who else is going to come in, right? They're they're all in the billionaire in a billionaire club. They all talk. I don't understand. They're in like a WhatsApp. Is that what you're envisioning? Right yeah, now? no, but no. We we've we've always like there's there's been talk of like Praise how you God. see people how you see people going into <laughs> MLS, right because there are few exclusive clubs of showing that you have money, right? It's owning a team. Right. So you either in the NFL, which is really hard to get into, or the NBA, which is which you have to pay billions of dollars. Right. So where else are you going to go in to own a team? Right. Either NHL, baseball or soccer. Right. Soccer is the one we're we're seeing coming in. So in my if we know that that's a thing, I, I know that there was a piece on this either a year ago or two years ago about billionaires. It was no longer owning horses that made you look rich. It was owning a sports team. Right. So if there's this right thing that's there like the mls and a billionaire backs out how i I just don't understand another billionaire being like oh yeah if that guy backed out he probably backed out for for legit you know when when you've got no team in san francisco no team in oakland no team in san diego no team in phoenix no team in detroit no team in vegas why of all of those locations? Well, yeah, I don't know. Sacramento be the one you want give to spend Oakland and San Francisco, San Jose, on. since the Bay Area is just one giant contiguous city. Realistically, um, I mean, but San Francisco specific team, sure. which would make more sense if you're picking a Northern California city. I, San Francisco doesn't have the area to build a stadium. It would still be south of the city maybe north but um i yeah I, my only thing is there's just a lot of tech people with a lot of money in the bay area obviously you know it could happen do i see it happening no um but i don't think there is enough big money in sacramento to fund to fund it i i think they're going to move and i think if they move yeah. 
I would not be shocked if Vegas got a team. I just I think know. Vegas right think now it's gotta be Phoenix. Area to move sports teams to, especially with the way legalized gambling is going. Um, I think the NFL moving there, the NHL moving there, there's always, it seems like, rumors and bubbles of two new NBA teams, one of them being Vegas and Seattle possibly getting a team again. Um, and the and lights it, seem fun. Yeah. The Las Vegas I, lights seem like a fun team. Yeah, I just... Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's true. So, they seem... Or, or, well, rest in peace. I don't think they exist anymore. I know we've all talked about Detroit a lot, making a lot of sense just because of the market size. Um, yeah, uh, they, uh, they, they work themselves into a shoot, though. It also works yeah. if you just throw them into the new place where the Raiders play. Like, why? I, I think we're moving into a place where if you own the stadium or something like that, the MLS doesn't care anymore about having a soccer-specific stadium. Um, and Mark Davis if they think they're going to get 30,000 sure. fans, that's, that's definitely one. Um, but Phoenix seems to me like the slam. <sighs> yeah, I think he well, owns- they were talking about this, Davis. I was well, like, what are you yeah, talking about? Does he own that stadium? Renee, no, stadium. they're on they're on night rotation. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Stadium, though. Right. I think that's not cool. My apologies. I think it's Phoenix, though. I, if you look at what Phoenix Rising's done, I mean, they had an awesome little stadium. Just, I would say, just outside the city, but Phoenix isn't really a city. It's more like a sprawling area. So they have this awesome stadium there, and they're moving. They're building a new stadium Phoenix, that yeah. I don't think they've broken ground on like yet. The, the so easiest spots to like transition to go to. Wild Horse Pass, Casino area. Yeah. And Phoenix has a built-in fan base that they've already tapped into. Like, the city owns the stadium, by the Phoenix way, in Vegas. Sorry. To me, like, oh, okay. play. Yeah, I think the hard the thing yeah, with Detroit is they probably want to have another Western team. And obviously, that's more yeah. difficult. I've been to Phoenix in Detroit. I've been to Phoenix one, yeah. once, and it was crazy to see the amount of phoenix rising stuff there's there's out there in like random bar like i went to bars next to uh where the suns play and they have they have like phoenix soccer crap everywhere and like their own beer and stuff those games i think sell out i I could see phoenix do it yeah and the stadium was awesome it was by sacramento get out of here and they're building right. a second. I didn't think it was going to happen. The Sacramento, Sacramento, right? We can all we can all pretty much agree Sacramento is this is a death now. I think so. Yeah, all right. it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, all right. Uh, They've got to find to a kind new, of new money. Wrap yeah. things up. We've kind of touched on new stadiums. Um, we can save Cincinnati and Columbus for our previews. Both of them are opening new stadiums, and Nashville. Um, I was getting something, but the other two new stadiums are Austin and St. Louis. Um, we've kind of touched on that. Um, I think the other big thing, preseason thing that's important is the new CBA. Uh, so I'm going to kick it to Colin, who I think is probably our expert in MLS CBA and weird game TAM rules and all sorts of things. So Colin, take it away. I'll keep it brief. Um, I, I, I've got a, a little list of, I think, the, the big hit points. Um, so the, the new CBA uh, was agreed to that lasts from 2021, so this season. And I can't remember if it's through the end of 2026. I think it ends at the end of 2026. So that means it is no longer 
linked to the new TV deal, which is up in 2023. It's not linked to the World Cup, which is in the U.S. in 2026. Um, so the players are really kind of put on the back foot here with potentially being able to negotiate more money. Um, so it's a really long deal, good for uh, the owners and good for fans who want to see MLS not have a work stoppage. Um, otherwise, I don't know if it's really good for anyone. Uh, I guess my, my pro-labor bias uh, is peeking in there. Um, so the, the new things that happened uh, in the CBA – uh, first one, um, not a lot. I don't think that we'll have to say about that. Free agency has changed. Uh, it was 24 years old and five years of experience in the league. Now it's 24 years and four years. So if you're 24, you've played in MLS for four years, you can be a free agent within the league. Um, great. Uh, revenue sharing will kick in in 2023, I believe. Uh, the way that's going to work is um, – so this new TV deal is going to happen. The MLS is going to look at their 2022 media rights, add $100 million to that number, and then every dollar over that $100 million plus 2022 will be shared with the players, starting out at 12.5% and then I think rising to 25% through the life of the CBA. Um, that'll be added in – uh, GAM or salary cap, um, but it's like it's a pretty inconsequential amount if you really look at it. Some new salary cap changes. Um, it's gonna go from I think about four point nine million this year, the salary cap rising to seven million in twenty twenty seven. Um, overall compensation that looks like nine point two five million, slowly rising to thirteen million in twenty twenty seven all in um, not counting transfer fees paid to uh, designated players or to uh, the young initiative players. Um, so it's really, I mean, if you look at that at like 13 million, that's uh, <laughs> less than like a month for Messi. So, so great. Thanks MLS. Uh, and then finally, I think the thing that I'm the most interested in is this new U22 initiative where Teams can sign up to three players as a U22 initiative player and have uh, much lower budget charges and essentially unlimited um, acquisition fees. So they can pay unlimited um, transfer fees. I don't, there's, there's some sort of formula to see how many players you can sign based on your DPs. I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, you can look to much more experienced people in that uh, because the league hasn't officially announced it. But this is, I mean, this is definitely set up to let players sign one to three young players who are DP level who that they can sell in the future. So I think that's the big, uh, exciting, exciting thing that we've got for. Yeah, for and just to quickly touch on the U twenty two thing, the, I think that's just a smart move in general by the CBA. Uh, it feels like that's kind of the way MLS has been trending anyway. Uh, you've seen young MLS players moving to Europe. Um, so it's it's going to be good for MLS, I think, to help sustain and build to the future, to bring in more young, talented players. And then if they go to Europe, they go to Europe. If they stay, even better uh, for MLS. But I think for me, as well as like Colin mentioned, that's, that's the most positive thing about the CBA. Um, obviously, you know, we want salary cap to rise, so quality gets better. Um, but you've seen of late players talking who have come from Europe to come to play in the MLS, talking about 
hey, it's not the league you think it is. It's much more difficult. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to what MLS has done. Uh, anyone else? Have you guys remember how nice you talked about the U22 thing today, the last day in February, when a year from now, the Galaxy is getting shit on for spending, for actually, right? Because this means teams actually have to spend the money, right? There's still teams, it doesn't, does it, it doesn't fix the issue in the MLS of owners that don't spend money, right? So this is going to help out teams like the Galaxy who are willing to just pay money for people that don't deserve it. At least it forces them to, to, to spend it on young players. Um, but you all remember this when the Galaxy is getting yelled at for finding a loophole to get like a team just full of DPs with this rule a year from now. Listen, my, my pushback would be that like yes. the Galaxy probably have one of yes. the worst um, yeah. scouting orgs in the entire league because they don't need to. They're the Galaxy and they can say, hey, big player, like we're the Galaxy. Um, yes. So like it's going to definitely yeah. be better for the team that's really going to exploit this is New York City FC, who just has all of City's resources and scouts. But I, I, I really need to, and I, I should have done that before we started today, figure out what this formula is that, that lets you not get the full, like, three players. I think you have to, um, you have to be, you have to, like, not have a DP or something, and then you can do it. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little bit. It's a I'm little sure. Bit I just I just don't. Uh, just, you get three I, I DP slots for a player that's sure under 22. The Galaxy they can will, stay be, until they're will find a way to use this at some point. Like they'll find an Argentinian player and then they'll create a a new birth certificate that makes them like 20 <laughs> years old. I think they're they're I think they're more likely to like hold on to their young guys like this because you can do it. You can you can make uh, a young uh, homegrown player you can put on this. Um, so you could pay like. Any of the yeah. young uh, guys you mean, that they you mean to a way to, to clutch on to Germany or whatever, uh, which is and Alvarez? So you can just grab yeah. those guys and say, Yeah, you wouldn't have lost Yuli. And yeah, we're obviously going to make fun of the well, Galaxy Yuli for exploiting this. But I think the more important thing here is that, or at least for me, Galaxy is a staple MLS franchise, and you want them to be good and you want them to be healthy. It's a more fun league when the Galaxy are at their peak and, you know, their peak of evil. I mean, it's the same thing in the NBA. When Boston and the Lakers are great, it's more fun because more people like hating them. Uh, And so, yeah, we're going to make fun of you, but having a healthy, good Galaxy is good for the entire league. So, I mean, they have the biggest global reach. Yeah, I figured out what I was missing. So the the one like weird thing is, so the players the budget charge is um, one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand for these players, but their actual salary can't be higher than uh, than the DP salary. So if you have a DP who is twenty right okay. now who makes a million dollars a year in salary, they can't be in this. But if you have a DP who's twenty and they make $600,000 in salary, they can be. Um, so if you, you could get stuck if you have a, a young DP currently who makes too much money. Um, but you won't get stuck <laughs> if you have a... Yeah. If you just have three old dudes making a million dollars a year. If that makes sense. I know that's a little ridiculous that, like, I don't know why they're limiting their max salary. I think that's because they don't want... 
um, yeah. they don't want these to be players that you are going to hold on to. Honestly, all right, they want these players to be sold. Well, so I think they're limiting how much they can actually make. Hit on. I have one more. I have one more question. If I can ask about the CBA, oh, yeah. Does it help? Um, right, the MLS has a problem of paying young, younger, and not so good players not that much money. Right, I forget what the minimum salary. Did that go up? It, the minimum salary slowly oh, rises. It's getting better. Uh, I think That's it's like nice. eighty thousand right now. Um, I think it goes up to a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it might be even like sixty something thousand for the those um, supplementary roster spots, which are. There's like these three spots, three to six spots on each okay. roster that are supplementary roster spots that don't count against the cap, but are all minimum salary. Cool. Yeah, um, I just know I think, that to be a young number goes like up. not. I, I know it goes up, but I think it goes up to like much money. Brad, that was my question. No, oh, okay. Thanks, Brad. No, it was a, it was a good question. Yeah. Um, I think it's something a lot of people probably aren't as familiar with. Um, so. It is good to note that, you know, rising salary, you know, I guess rising, what is it? Rising water raises all boats. So, um, so anyway, uh, that'll be it. Uh, we will pick up in a week or so, uh, and we'll probably start with an East preview. Um, so thank you everyone for listening and thank you guys for joining. And that'll be it for our, from hello from the offside. Goodbye. From the offsides.